right, guys. Good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, thanks for being here this morning. If I haven't uh, met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm lead pastor here at Antioch, and just thankful you guys decided to join us this morning for worship. Let's give it up for that worship team that was leading us in a powerful worship today. Wherever they are, they're spread around over here. But thanks, guys. That was rich. That was powerful. Um, okay, a couple of things before we jump into the message. Um, Larry already gave you kind of the next few weeks of what our schedule looks like. But one uh, thing about this Sunday is for many uh, college students, this is going to be their last Sunday for several weeks because they're about to go home to see family. Uh, but also this uh, coming week, these next five or six days, a lot of them are taking finals. So college students, we're going to bless you. We're going to pray over you, all right? So we're going to pray just the blessing of God over your finals this week, but also praying over your Christmas break and just asking the Lord to meet with you, have a sweet time with your family. Um, and so anyways, we're going to pray for you. So if you're in college and that applies to you, that you're about to take finals and go home, can you just stand up? Come on, give it up for these college students. Stand on your feet. Come on. Hey, there we go. All right. Okay. Well, if you are next to one of these folks, why don't you just kind of put a hand on their shoulder, and uh, we're going to just pray over them. And college students, just encourage you to receive. If you need a lot of mercy and grace from God this week on finals, just open your hands real big and say, Lord, I need to receive it. Just kidding. All right. Go ahead, church. Go ahead and start praying. Just whatever's on your heart to pray for them. God's blessing. And then I'll close it out in about 30 seconds. Ready, set, go. Start praying, church. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful for our college students. Lord, right now we pray that your blessing and your presence would rest on them. Father, we pray that you would guard them this week, that guard their mind and their hearts in Christ Jesus with your peace. And Lord, we pray for incredible blessing and favor over them as they finish out this semester. And Lord, we pray over their Christmas break. Lord, would it be a time of resting in you, would it be a time of refreshment in you, and God, it would be a sweet time with their families. We bless them, we will miss them, but God, we thank you for them in these next few weeks, and we're excited to see them back in about four weeks. Lord, bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give it up for our college students one more time. Love you guys. <clears throat> All right. So we are going to jump into part two of our little Christmas series that we decided, uh, well, I decided to <laughs> title to title, Mary, Did You Know? Mary, Did You Know? Everybody say, Mary, Did You Know? There's a little, little jingle. Everyone that preaches is required to sing the song. Just kidding. Jeremy did last week uh, a little bit. Uh, so Jeremy kicked it off. That, the whole premise of this, though it's a silly title, is really we're thinking about like, wow, Mary, did you know who was inside of you? And what I really want, this is such a great time of the year to just remember the, the glory and the wonder and the beauty of Jesus. And we were singing about it, like, wow, we're, we're here to adore you, but you're just so amazing. And um, it's just a, a time to reflect, a time to be in awe, and a time just to worship. Like, oh my goodness, Jesus, this is who you are, and you're this good. And so um, last week, uh, Jeremy talked about the humility of Jesus. Like, wow, did you know he was going to be such a humble man? Such a humble king, the king of the universe, yet walking in such humility. And then this morning, Madeline Jones is going to be preaching. And um, some of you guys know Madeline. She's married to Larry, our executive pastor. And also she was on staff um, for about two years as leading the discipleship school along with Larry. Uh, but now she's a mom of 
three going on like 15 and uh, <laughs> maybe not that many, but, but more than three. All right. So, uh, but yeah, we're just so thankful. She's, her and her husband were a part of um, the original crew that moved up here to Northwest Arkansas to plant this church. We, we honored them last, last week, but just so thankful for Madeline, for Larry. But yeah, let's give it up for Madeline Jones. I'm going to let her husband, Larry, do the honors of praying over his wife before she preaches. Great. Jesus, thank you so much. Um, again, thank you for this morning, and thank you uh, for the gift that Madeline is to this body, not just because she's my wife, but really the wisdom that you've given her far beyond her years. And so I ask that uh, I just that you would give her grace and peace as she speaks um, and presents us with the things that you um, have spoken to her and built in her, not just even in the week of preparation for the message, but in her life, the things that you've like woven into her life for her to have authority in the things that she shares right now. And so I ask that you'd give her grace to present them clearly. And I ask that they really would put us in all of who you are again this morning. And we would all sense your nearness to us again this morning. Pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I am really glad to be here. And the last few weeks, if y'all have been at church, worship has been really powerful. It's like always really powerful, but it feels like the last few weeks there's been like a depth and a richness to it. And I was asking God about it. I was like, what? Like, what's going on? You know, like it feels like extra holy in this room. And I felt like it was, I felt like the Lord wanted to honor you guys. I felt like the Lord just said, it's because my people are showing up with hearts ready. And so I just wanted to say, like, well done for showing up on Sunday morning, ready to encounter God, ready to give him your praise and give him your heart and give him your life, because the whole body is being affected by your willingness to show up. This room, the presence of God, it's like here, it's touching lives, it's changing people, it's impacting us, because you're willing to show up. So I just wanted to say, way to go. So I don't think it's just the Christmas lights, it's you guys, it's your hearts, it's your willingness. So way to go. And I love you guys, and I care about you guys so deeply, and I pray for us, our church as a whole, all the time. I carry you so deeply in my heart. And today, I'm going to be sharing about the hope of Jesus. But before I get started in the hope of Jesus, I also felt like as I was praying, I felt like the Lord just wanted to tell you guys that this message is for you. And I felt like he like kind of was pointing to the people in the audience, like it's for Kirsten and it's for Muriel and it's for Luke and it's for Heath, it's for Tima, it's for Victor, it was for Brooke. I felt like he's like pointing to the people in this room saying it's for you. So as I'm up here sharing to a room of people, I don't feel like, like I don't want y'all to hear it as a room of people. I want y'all to hear it from like what the spirit of God is speaking to you, to your heart, to Joy's heart, to Parker's heart, to your hearts. You ready? All right. So we are in a three-week series called Mary, Did You Know? I'm not going to sing. I'm sorry, <laughs> Jeremy. You said we have to, but I want them to stay and hear the message. And so if they sing, I know they're going to leave. I know as soon as a, a song comes out of my mouth, y'all are going to walk out the doors. And I actually want you to hear what is from the Bible today, so I'm not going to sing. <laughs> I have zero musical talent. I have negative. If that's possible, I have negative musical talent. Although it has always been my dream, actually, to, pl to play on the praise band. I always wanted a tambourine and to be up there singing, but Mitchell has never put me up there. I even asked him, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm like, hey can you mute the mic? And I'll just, I'll just go for it, but I won't, I, you don't actually have to hear me, you know? I've been asking him that for years. <laughs> 
So uh, no, that's probably best if I don't. I'll just talk. Mary, did you know, in last week we talked about the humility of Jesus. And in life group, we like re-talked about the story. Did anyone else talk about it again in life group? Did we all do that? Okay. And um, we talked about how Jesus went to the temple and he got lost and his family left. And after a day, they were like, oh no, we lost Jesus. <laughs> and then they went back and found him. It took them three days to go back and find him. And in life group, when we were talking, we were kind of laughing. We were like, how hard would it have been to parent Jesus? You know, like I always thought it would be so easy. He's the son of God. He obeys everything you say. He doesn't sin. He's perfect. But really the reality is there's all these conflicting wills. You know, Mary's like, okay, Joseph is your father but God is your father. Who do I parent with here? You know, like, who do, who do, how do we do this thing? And so we were kind of laughing at, like, how difficult. Jesus was like, I'm just doing my father's business. And Mary's like, oh, yeah, you have another father. You know that you're trying to do his business on the earth. What do we do here? So just, but ultimately the humility of Jesus that he came and was willing to submit to Mary and come in the form of a baby. Has anyone ever held a baby? Raise your hand. How about how much can a baby do? Nothing. Zero. Zilch. But Jesus came in the form of a baby. That is humility. Today, I'm going to talk about Mary. Did you know that Jesus was the hope of the world? Did you understand that all of creation, for all of time, would be able to put their hope in Jesus and he would save them? And we hear that word hope, and we hear that Jesus is our hope, but today I'm going to take time to practically define what hope looks like, to practically put hope into words, if you will. And Jeremy referenced Colossians 1, the preeminence of Christ. He referenced it last week. I'm going to reference it again, verses 21 through 24, and it will be on the screen. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. That reconciliation, separated from darkness, separation of darkness to light, Jesus is the bridge, Jesus is our hope. And do you think Mary knew that? Do you think that she knew what that entailed? Do you think she knew the Savior of the world was in her care? Do you think she knew that we as people were going to be alienated from God and we needed Jesus? Do you think she knew it? Let's pray, and then we'll jump into what hope looks like. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the hope of the world. And thank you, God, that you had a creative, divine plan to bring hope into this world, and you did it in the form of a baby, that is crazy. Thank you, God, that you took on flesh as humanity to save us and to deliver us and to free us. We love you, Jesus, and we're thankful. Just ask this morning that your presence would like feel like it's for each person, that as each person is sitting in this room, like even it doesn't even matter what comes out of my mouth, but the presence of God would feel so real to each person and the hope of Jesus would feel so real to each person. They'll all leave and they'll be like, we don't even know what Madeline said, we just know we encountered God. That's what I want for this room today. I just want us to encounter you. I want our hope to be restored and our minds to be renewed in you, Jesus. So we love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. So I have three babies, Truett and Everly and Juliet, and 
Like Mitchell said, I would like about 14, 15 more. Just kidding, but I actually do want like at least three more. I want to have six kids. And so right after we had Juliet, Larry and I were talking, kind of evaluating, like, okay, next baby, what are we going to do, da, da, da. And Larry said the statement, I would be content if this was our family. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, we're in our prime, I'm only halfway done, like, we, like, come on, let's go, what are you talking about? You know? I'm, like, shocked. I was literally astonished. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> um, he he's w- wants to have more, too. He just said he would be content. That's different, but I guess, apparently. But... <laughs> He just realizes how hard they, how hard of work they actually are. But th- the deal for me is I just believe so much in the destiny of our kids. Like, I believe more than anything else. I believe that they're going to see the, the blind. The blind are going to see in the name of Jesus, and they're going to heal people in the name of Jesus, and the kingdom of darkness is going to be brought to light because of them and because of their lives, and there's going to be disciples made. And, like, I just believe so much in their destiny, like a crazy amount. I'm like, why would we stop at three? Six, seven, eight, nine. We got to get as many of those destinies out there as possible, right? You know, <laughs> I just know that. But and that like so far outweighs in my mind any of the work that it could take, or the money, which seems to be a problem, or the time. Like all of those things seem to be really significant factors to the world. But to me, I'm like their destiny, you know. And I have three, maybe four, five, six, you know, little sinful, tiny humans that are not the son of God. None of my children are Jesus, and they are very, very, very sinful, very sinful, (laughs) and they do not choose righteousness, and they are not parented by God, you know, but I believe so much in their destiny, and I have, like, such a specific thing, things I pray for and carry in my heart for them as their mother, like, so deeply, and if I had that mindset for my sinful little children, how much more do you think Mary had that mindset for her son of God? You know, like, what do you think she thought his destiny was going to look like? What do you think that she dreamed of? Like, king of the Jews, he's going to save our people, let's go. Like, she just probably had all these big, grand, amazing, huge ideas for the son of God. Because I know I have all these big, huge, amazing, grand ideas for my little sinful, tiny humans, you know? Would she think that salvation was part of it? Did she think reconciliation was part of it? Did she think the gospel was part of it? Did she know what hope was going to look like? I don't know if she did. I don't know what she knew. There are a few things prophesied. Isaiah 42, verse 4, talking about Jesus, it says, He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teachings, the islands will put their hope. And in Isaiah 11, verse 10, it says, In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the people, or like a hope for the people, Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So to me, from what I see in the scripture, hope seems pretty glorious. Seems pretty big, seems pretty majestic. If islands are going to put their hopes in him, or he'll stand as a signal for the people. It doesn't necessarily look like a tiny baby in a manger with tiny hands that doesn't know how to go to the bathroom by itself. You know, that's like not what hope looks like in my mind. It looks like he's going to come and rule and reign in power. So I wonder what Mary was thinking when it looked really different. And this is the different that it looked. Like I said, I'm going to define hope in three ways. And they are magnificent and they are glorious, but they don't look the way I think Mary thought they would have looked. They're unconventional, but ultimately they saved the world. The three ways, or the first one of the three ways is he is our hope because he is the way. There's a slide up here that's going to say the three of them, I think. 
He is our hope because he is the way. John 14, or there you go, the way, the word, and life. We'll get to those. He is the way. Um, John 14, verse 16. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I wrote this and it is illegible. Um, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Uh, there you go, 14 verse 6. Don't go to 16 because you won't find it there. <laughs> I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In these two sentences, we see that Jesus clearly explains why humanity is our one and only hope. Because he is the way to God. Jesus is the way to God. In this whole world, it's been chaos the whole time. Like, we think it's chaos now. History's always been chaos, y'all. And Jesus has always been the only way to God. Romans 3.23. You, you guys know this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is a separation. We cannot get to him. We have fallen short. We have all sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Through the redemption of Jesus, we get to be with God. We get to partake in the glory of God. And God presented Christ as a sacrifice to the atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. It's kind of like the Christmas lights on my house put up by the handsome holiday heroes. They are amazing. They are so beautiful. And we live at the bottom of a hill, so when you drive down our hill, you can see them like all the way, and they shine the brightest, and they're the most beautiful. And every time I'm like, oh, it just looks like Christmas on my house, and I love it. It's like those beautiful, amazing lights kind of represent the glory of God. But what were to happen if I, Madeline, never plugged them in? I'm like, the glory of God is there, and it's on display for everyone to see, but the light's never plugged in. Then my neighborhood would never get to see the amazing work that the handsome holiday heroes put in. They would never get to see the beautiful display of Christmas cheer on my house. They would miss it. They would miss it forever. But Jesus is kind of like the three prongs that like go in the outlet. He's like the way. The way to let the glory of God be displayed on earth through humanity is Jesus. And so if I never plugged it in, if Jesus was never, like, plugged in, if, we were, if Jesus was never plugged in, <laughs> then the light would never display. He is our way to God. All the glory, all the beauty, all the cheer, all the radiance that is God, we have access to through Jesus. And Mary, did you know that? Did she know that the Son of God was going to be the way to life for all of humanity? And church, do you know that? Do you know that the Son of God is the way to life for you? So if there is a place in your heart that's feeling like negative on life or zero on life or empty in any way, Jesus, the glory of God is, is what you have full access to through Jesus. Through Jesus. He is, the answer, he is the answer. His word, his truth, his presence, it's Jesus. He is the hope of the world. So Jesus is the what? What's the first way? The way. The second way that Jesus or that hope is defined is that Jesus is the word. He is the tangible representation of God in flesh, the incarnate word of God. Just take a second. That is insane. John 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So Jesus, in the beginning with God. Just go down in your Bibles, a few little verses. 
to John 1, 14. That in the word, the same word that was with God and in the beginning with God. The word became, what does it say? Flesh. And what did he do? Dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He became flesh. That doesn't mean that he stopped being God. That means he took on humanity. You guys, I think for all of my whole life, if I thought about that thought every minute of every day until I was 93, maybe that's when I'm going to (laughs) die. If I took on all of my whole life that thought and just thought and thought and thought and thought and thought and thought and thought about it, I don't think I would ever fully be able to understand, comprehend the depth of that. That God took on flesh so that he could relate to us, so that we could understand him, and so that he could save us. He knows us, and he loves us. He didn't need to take on flesh so we could better understand humanity. No, he took on flesh so that we could understand him for us. Remember when I said he did it for you? He took on flesh for you so you could understand him. Philippians 2, Jeremy talked about this last week, 6 through 7. Who, though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He emptied himself by, being, by taking the form of a servant, being born like you and like me. He is our hope because he is a physical display of God on earth. And that is like the most practical and helpful thing because he took on all parts of humanity so that we could know how to relate and deal with humanity, you know? And we just look to the Bible. It's in the Bible. He was the word. He was the incarnate word of God. And so we're like, how do we deal with people? Read the Bible. How do we deal with someone who doesn't look with me? Look like, look, or (laughs) doesn't like me? Read the Bible. How do we process our emotions? Read the Bible. How do we spend time with God? Read the Bible. It's just, he gives us like a little really practical workbook, tool book, reading book (laughs) that we can read to show us how God would act on earth. It's kind of like the way I'm picturing it is it's kind of like he's our God translator. Like God spoke language of God and then we're over here as humans just like trying to connect. You know, like, what are you saying? What are you talking about? How would you act? But like, has anyone ever been overseas and spoken to someone who doesn't speak the same language as you? And it's like quite hysterical. You know, you're like looking for a restaurant. You're like, I am hungry and I need to eat. And like look at a menu and a, and a restaurant, you know, and, and drink. And, a, and they're like, they like point you like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course, everyone's so confident. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This way, this way, this way. And you like show up and you're at a hotel. And you're like, do they even have food at this hotel? You know, like, I'm just hungry, you know. But if you had a translator who knew what you were talking about and spoke the same language, you could say, hey, is there any good restaurants around here? And they would go find a local and you'd be at like the best restaurant in the whole town. It would be like a random hole in the wall place that's like tucked behind an alleyway, but it would be the most amazing Mexican food you've ever had in your whole life. You know, like that's what it's like when you know what's going on. (laughs) And it's kind of like Jesus came to be that. He came to like translate God on earth because it's like we've got this majestic, holy, amazing, glorious God And then we've got this humanity that will never be majestic, holy, and glorious. But then you've got this Jesus who's like, here, let me teach you. Let me take on humanity and be God and translate 
what it is like, how it feels to be God and to see God on earth. And do you think Mary knew that? Do you think Mary knew that Madeline, 2,000 years later, (laughs) was going to be standing and I could understand God better because she had Jesus, because she had the hope of the world. Do you think I could understand, have a better understanding of what hope is and what hope looks like and how hope is played out because I understand God better because she had Jesus? Do you think she knew that? I don't know. I doubt it. (laughs) And the last way that I see Jesus as hope is that he is our life. And I wish that that was a nice little W word. That would make sense, wouldn't it, for y'all to remember that Jesus is the way and he's the word and he's our life. (laughs) So just remember it because it's not a W, all right? (laughs) Jesus is the way, he is the word, and he is life. And he is our life because he is alive. He didn't just die and that was the end of the story. He is seated at the right hand of God and he is alive. And he is alive and active in our hearts. And he is our hope because of that, because he is alive. John 1, verse 4. If you just need to read about Jesus and him, just go to John 1 and just read it a hundred times, because that's pretty much all I'm preaching out of this morning is John 1 and the richness of that. John 1, verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome him. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So we have life, and that life gets to be the light of man, just like the Christmas lights on display for the glory of God for all to see, on display the light of men, because Jesus is our life. And his life, his death, and his resurrection are our hope. His life on earth showed us practically how to follow him. Really practically, he was on earth so we can follow him because of his life. His death gave us our salvation. We are saved and we are free and we have an eternal hope because he died. And now he's seated at the right hand of God and that is our hope. The gospel is our hope. Colossians 1, 23, the first, one of the first things I read, it said, if indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the what? Hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. If we cannot shift, not leave the hope of the gospel, then we will have continual hope in every season, in every trial, in every circumstance, when we're tired and weary and burnt out and over it, we can have hope if we do not shift from the hope of the gospel. And that's the cool thing about hope is it's constant. It's constant, and it's not confined to time. It's not like today. I'm like, okay, everyone, you can receive the hope of Jesus today, but as soon as you leave this building, the hope is gone because I can only give it to you for one minute and one time at 11.01 on a Sunday morning. No, that's not the way hope works. Hope works for the future. Every ounce of hope that you need to have things restored back to Jesus for everything you're afraid of, you're feeling doubt towards, you're concerned about, you don't think is going to happen, everything in the whole future for all of time, there's already hope for it. Everything in the present, what you're feeling right now, you're not alone. You're loved. You have a destiny from God. That's all happening right now. That's your hope for right now. 
And then the crazy thing about God is he transcends time, so everything in the past, every broken relationship, every death, every pain, every hurt, all of that, when you include Jesus, the life, back in those things, hope. Hope is restored. Hope is not confined to time and space. Hope is not confined to a day or a minute. Hope is all of your future. Hope is, it can be all of your future, can be every moment of your present, and can be in all of your past if you include Jesus. Because he is your hope. All of our failures, all of our pain, none of it, none of it is greater than God's power. And when Mary was believing for her son, expecting this destiny over him, like I expect over my kids, I just wonder if she knew like what she was really giving birth to and what she was really raising as a child and what she was really praying for and believing for and holding in her heart. Did she, knew, did she know that for all of history, all of humanity would now have an unceasing, unwavering, divine hope? Did she know that? Band, you guys can come up, and I have a few ways for us to respond as the band is coming up. I actually have three ways for us to respond. Um, the first way is if you've never really received the hope of Jesus as your Savior. If you're like, if I'm talking and you're like, Madeline, this sounds great, but I, I like never have really like put my hope in Jesus. I feel like I am a ship in the water and I am just crashing wave after wave and I need an anchor of hope. That's Jesus. And that's the truth of the gospel. He died. He came as a baby was raised and lived a perfect life, died on the cross without ever sinning. He only submitted to the will of the Father. And when he never sinned, he died, therefore conquering sin, but he didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And that is crazy because I don't know anyone else that can come back to life and defeat all of our sins. It was just Jesus. And now he is seated at the right hand of God, just ready. He's just ready for you. He's like, you're hopeless, I'm ready. You're feeling weary and tired and burnt out? I'm ready. So if you have never put your hope and faith and trust in Jesus, then today I want you to do that. In a little bit, we're going to have people up here ready to pray for you. And so if your heart is like beating out of your chest and you're like, I have to put my hope in Jesus, then come get prayer. And that is the celebration because that is going from death to life. That is the reconciliation that I was talking about from darkness to life, where Jesus was the way to God. And the second way that I want us to respond is just to be in awe of Jesus. Like I said, the more I have babies, the more I realize how crazy it was that Jesus came in the form of a baby. I'm like, gosh, you're so helpless. You really can't do anything. You can't even sleep by yourself, you know? And he came that way. And so this Christmas season, as things feel crazy and things feel like a lot, and the season is, you know, it's already December 11th, and you're like, I'm over it, you know? Just take a minute. This morning, and just be in awe of Jesus, that the hope of the world came in the form of a baby to save you. Don't miss that. Don't get distracted by the amazing lights put on your house by the handsome holiday heroes. Don't get distracted. Be in awe of Jesus. And then the last way I want us to respond is just by hope. Just when I said this morning that, like, this is for you, I feel like this part is specifically for you in this room that hope can be restored in your hearts. Jesus came to make a way to God. So you guys have, we 
have full access to the glory of God and all of his goodness and all of his mercy through Jesus. So if there is an area in your heart that is tired or weary, if there is a situation in your life that feels hopeless, if there is places that are things that are going on in your mind or external circumstances that are happening that you're like, I've given up. I don't have anything left. Jesus is your hope. He is the way, he is the word, and he is your life. So if you need hope restored in any way, any way, come get prayer in a little bit. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship and have some um, leaders come up. Jesus, thank you that you are the hope of the world. God, and I know um, that it just depends on the season and depends on the time, but I know that each person in this room has faced hopelessness. I know I have faced hopelessness, just felt really tired or just done. I ask God today that we know that the hope of Jesus is for us. And as we stand in awe of Jesus, as we stand in awe of you, Jesus, would you restore hope even in the deepest places of our hearts, the places that we thought that there was no more, no more ability for hope to be there, the places, the doors that we've shut or the, the areas that we've like um, closed, we just ask God for hope to be restored. In the situations, in the relationships that we've closed the door, we've said no more, or in the pain that we can't even deal with or think about because we're afraid going there would be too, too painful. I just ask Jesus that today your hope would restore it your hope would restore it back to life. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our life. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Have some of our life group leaders come forward just to make yourself available to pray for some folks. And yeah, just to repeat a few of the things that Madeline said and how we're going to respond this morning is one, if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I'll say it just another way. You have no eternal hope, and he is the only one that can give you eternal hope. There is no one else, you yourself included, that can take away your sins. You need to give your life over to him so that you can receive hope for eternity. And then as she said, if there's any area of your life that you just know, gosh, I am discouraged. I am down. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't see this situation changing. Come and receive prayer by one of these folks this morning because we want to believe that God's going to impart faith and hope in you for breakthrough. Amen? So come forward if you want some prayer. The worship team will lead us in a song of worship. You may also feel free just to worship right where you are and just talk to the Lord and ask him to fill you with fresh hope. Go ahead and take us.